the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Our Victorian shipping forebears designated 12 noon on the 20th of February each year as the notional time and date at which Baltic ports became ice-free. And that has given birth to one of the great traditions of marine insurance. Two centuries later, midday on the 20th of February, still marks the hard cut-off point by which the vast majority of ship owners must have in place cover for liability in everything from collisions and spills to seafarer injuries and deaths. Now, as an editor in charge of a bunch of reporters, I am aware that journalists sometimes come up with the most wretched excuses for missing deadlines. Ship owners, however, do not have that luxury. Because without protection and indemnity policies, ships cannot trade. No state wants uninsured vessels transiting its territorial waters, and no port will admit them without a guarantee that costs will be met if things go badly wrong. For around 90% of the world fleet, P&I cover is provided by one of the 13 P&I clubs, as these not-for-profit mutual monoline insurers are known. Through their trade association, the International Group, and an elaborate scheme of retentions, pooling, captives and reinsurance almost beyond mortal ken, it ensures that cover can run as high as $2 billion and beyond in the worst cases, for what is essentially a very modest cost. Now, the workload for renewing the policies can't be evenly spread throughout the year, even for the sake of an easy life. Each contract has to be concluded within the established time limit. That leaves us with the renewal round. While a few straightforward deals get signed off towards the back end of each calendar year, things only really get going after everybody has recovered from the Christmas and New Year break. Sometimes negotiations go right to the wire. This year, the process has seen multiple complications that we're going to hear about in this week's edition of the podcast. Progress has been unusually tardy for reasons we are going to go into. The clubs have had to contend with booked but unrealised investment losses thanks to turbulence on the financial markets, which in turn has led to downgrades from rating agencies. Then there is the sensitive matter of pricing. P&I clubs are not for profit, but they do have to bring in sufficient premiums to keep the show on the road. 2023 marks the fourth successive year of substantial premium hikes with a 10% going rate. Unsurprisingly, some owners have been reluctant to cough up. To add to the complexities, two of the 13 international group affiliates, North and Standards, are due to merge. When? Well, noon on the 20th of February, obviously. That has seen some big box ship players split their fleet in order to avoid over-reliance on the combined entity. Now, Lloyd's List prides itself on the best marine insurance coverage anywhere, and our insurance editor, David Osler, has been busy talking to some of the key players in the sector. Our podcast guests today are two brokers and two club chief executives. The former, Stephen Hawke, Managing Director of PL Ferrari & Co., and Alex Vullo, Executive Director of Gallagher. The latter are Andrew Cutler of Britannia and Jonathan Andrews of Steamship, who takes over from his predecessor, Stephen Martin, on, you've guessed it, the 20th of February. Mr Cutler, incidentally, was recently appointed to the chair of the International Group, so Dave threw in some questions on that job as well. But let's start with Mr Hawke, who says this renewal round has been one to remember. I think even by the standards of my fairly long career in this class of business, this has been particularly extended and painful. Um, I think most people are aware that all of the P&I clubs had entered the renewal season with a requirement for an uplift in the general premium ratings of between 5 and 10%. This is a response to, in part, Standard & Poor's continuing to be 
um, upset and worried around um, their combined ratios and the underwriting losses, um, but also with the state of the, the world um, as a whole. You had um, coming off the back, if you like, of COVID, um, and also three successive years of very, very excessive high pool claims, those claims that are over $10 million. Uh, um, so the clubs, when preparing for this renewal season, went to their boards with a fairly grim outlook based on, as always, history, saying pool claims look like they're going to continue to be enormous. Um, we have the lingering effects of, of covid um, and we have underwriting losses and the rating agency is threatening downgrades and the like. So we need more money. Um, with that, then came the sort of second inevitable set of black swans in the uh, Ukrainian-Russian crisis, um, which had the effect of destabilizing absolutely everything, um, including the bond market, which the clubs typically have around about 30 to 40 percent of their investments in. So the net result of that was uncertainty, instability, and as a result, the renewal itself has been marked by a complete reluctance of the clubs to negotiate around the renewal, uh, to be flexible. They are demanding, if you like, their um, pound of flesh to get the rates up and also to anticipate, if you like, what they see as uh, investment losses going forward. Now, this podcast is going out on February the 20th at noon, as is only appropriate. But bear in mind that the interviews you are hearing were recorded about a week ago, when reported completion stood at around 70%, with still a working week to go to get everything firmed up. Dave asked Stephen if he thought that everybody would get to where they needed to be by February the 20th. By the time you hear this, of course, we'll know for sure, but here's what Stephen said then. He also explains why the renewal deadline is a hard deadline, and being even a few days late is simply untenable. The word, the phrase get where they need to be um, is probably uh, not always going to be the case for some owners who feel that they've had to reluctantly accept a renewal proposal that uh, they feel is unsatisfactory. But yes, the owners will all, all eventually renew. I think probably now at time of of speaking, probably 70% has has been renewed. The other 30% continue to negotiate and have five working days uh, to do so in. Uh, But it has been remarkably slow. The slowness of this particular renewal has not just been about uh, people negotiating around the price. It has also been uh, slowed by a lot of owners waiting until the group reinsurance program which assigns a tariff rate to vessels depending on the type of trade um, and owners tend to wait for that coupled with um, the Ukrainian crisis which led to the reinsurance program itself having uh, a war exclusion and then a buyback put into it and that has slowed the documentation. Now the documentation is the critical bit towards that February the 20th deadline. Many ships require uh, certificates and blue cards to be on the ship um, at all times. And if you're sailing uh, on a 20-day voyage and it, that voyage crosses, if you like, the February the 20th uh, renewal day, you may not have your certificates on board the vessel. And that therefore becomes problematic. You won't be able to enter the port in question that you're going to. And now for Mr Hawke's opposite number at a rival firm, Alex Vullo from Gallagher. Due to technical glitches, 
this interview was done over the phone rather than online, so I can only apologise for the less than perfect sound quality, but worth listening all the same. His mention of Tom, by the way, is a reference to Tom Bowsher, the chief executive of West of England's P&I Club. David, I think you know, the renewal started off quite slow, uh, similar to last year. Um, you know, part of the reason why that could be, as we understand it, the budgets were signed off quite late for some clubs. Other clubs have just disorganised. And then you had the likes of, let's say, UK guards that were quite early, um, as they always tend to be. Um, so there was a there was a, a varied approach, let's say, to the renewal in terms of how things were proposed and when they were proposed. So some people feel that if it, if, if a proposal comes in late, um, then it's a delay tactic. But I think that with all the regulatory pressures and the auditing pressures that clubs are under, I think. Um, it's probably a little bit of both um, in terms of getting things actually signed off by board. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it can be a bit of both. Um, in terms of the renewal itself, um, as, you, as you've seen, the general increases uh, averaged around eight and a half uh, this year, which is a bit a little bit less than the year before. Um, if you had um, a good record, you are probably seeing in the region of seven and a half. If you had a, a record around 100%, you'd be seeing below 10 um, generally speaking, depending on record reader, terms dependent, of course. And then records that were more challenging, you know, was anything anywhere between 12 and a half to 25. Um, again, depending on the severity of, of, of the program. Um, but, you know, it, it, in, in terms of um, the club's approach to the renewals, again, it was varied. Um, Britannia were quite robust this year. Um, uh, they, they had a target to achieve, and I think for the most part, um, as we got closer to the renewal, uh, all of our clients would pretend we were very supportive in the end. Um, we saw quite, uh, we got, saw quite a change in the UK club's approach this year. Um, they were very fair, they're very flexible, and there's a, a, definitely a new feeling at the club with a change of CUO and change of approach, um, which has definitely come across uh, to us this year. Um, interestingly, the North Standard uh, kept their individual renewal styles as far as we saw it, um, and we'd be very interested to see how that develops as now it's gone through and going through how that how that could potentially differ uh, next year. That would be interesting to watch um, if it differs at all. Um, the West um, were firm but fair. Uh, they had their de-risking um, strategy from last year, which, uh, according to Tom, when I spoke to him last, said it's, it's actually paid off a little bit in 2022, which is good, good for them. Um, steamship. Again, they they were similarly firm but fair, um, and then you had the likes of London, Swedish, American that were very varied in their approach, quite record specific. They got different challenges, um, so it, it was it was a mixture really um, in, in terms of approach. Um, but the renewal overall felt like a real drag this year, and uh, we're we're hearing that the clubs are eighty percent done. We're probably about ninety five percent done at the moment, um, and as usual, a few people moved around. Um, some headline moves were because of um, predominantly that we saw because of the merger. Uh, it wasn't because either club had done anything wrong. You know, that particular member happened to have those two clubs. So I think it was a collaborative decision to part company and spread risk and keep competition. Perhaps we're not the broker for those clients and don't actually know. It's just the perception. Next up, it was a visit to Britannia's offices, a stone's throw from London's Monument, where Dave met Andrew Cutler, chief executive of Britannia and chair of the international group. Mr Cutler assured him all was going well, 
although he admitted some of the conversations the club has been having this year have been difficult. He concurred that the renewal round had been slow to date, although recent days had seen a spur to completions. In the case of Britannia, for whom Asian clients represent around half of their book, the timing of the Chinese New Year is always a consideration. I suspect there's two reasons for it. Um, uh, we had a slightly later announcement on the group access and lots program, and Chinese New Year was mm. earlier in, in, in films. It's a lunar calendar driven thing was earlier in the cycle than you would normally have it, uh, and both of those um, have an impact on, particularly on our, our book, we are roughly 50% is Asian based, um, and the reality is um, if Chinese New Year is closer to 20th February and they're on holiday, they tend to get out of the way before they go on holiday, if it's further away from the 20th, then they'll wait until they come back from holiday, and that's certainly what we've seen uh, over the last um, 10 or 15 years. But no, there's, there's nothing of, of concern. Turning to the outlook for the next couple of years, Mr Cutler still sees pressure on the upside, with clubs still in need of higher premiums to secure break-even results. Having not finished this renewal, what am I going to do for the next renewal? Is the question. <laughs> yes. That's a good question. Um, I suspect all clubs will be looking for increases next year. Um, you just need to look at their, their, either their combined ratios or their technical positions, uh, where they stand. I, I suspect that they will all need um, increases as to how, I don't think they'll be do double digit, um, but we'll all need something. No, not out of the woods yet. No, no, I, I, yeah, I don't think we are. No. Finally, the conversation turned to Mr Cutler's new role at the International Group, which is no small commitment although it does offer a chance to give something back to the marine insurance community. Uh, without wishing to sound too pompous, delighted that my fellow CEOs had the trust in, in, in me to take on the role. Um, uh, it, it, the role itself uh, fluctuates on, on, a, on a time, uh, on, on an issue basis. Um, we have very strong support, again, from the other clubs, CEOs, and their colleagues, whether it's people leading the sanctions committee, the pollution uh, claims cop, the reinsurance committees, all these are just significant you know, players within the, the IG system. So it's, it's not a one-man band. We also have the IG secretariat, Nick Shaw and his colleagues do a lot of the legwork and, mm. and, and coordinating that. So, so I, I view the role very much as a helping to coordinate and promote the image of the IG. Um, helping to formulate strategy, but with input from my colleagues. Right, but, but it's more than an honorary position, is it? It's oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think going into it, the, 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 the projection was sort of one day a week, potentially on average, if you cut it over, over the three years. Yes. Uh, and there's certainly been periods when it's it's been heavier and there's been periods where it's been lighter. Um, yes. Yeah, and it, and it, it, it oscillates between, you know, being the full guy to turn up to a dinner and sort of smile through to speaking engagements, through to you know, actually evolving in, in more of the, the logistics side of, of um, yeah, strategy and so forth. The last stop on Dave's P&I itinerary this year, after a 20-minute stroll from Monument to Liverpool Street, was Steamship Mutual's offices, where he met both current Chief Executive Stephen Martin and Chief Executive Designate Jonathan Andrews. Jonathan took the questions on the progress of the renewal round first. 
And yes, I think it. I think it has been a little slower. I mean, um, uh, normally we we would expect to be all our quotations out by the end mm. of December, early January. Um, whereas I think, um, and we were about that time frame again this year. Some of our competitors, I think, seem to delay a little bit for. Maybe, I'm not sure for what reasons. But yes, I think we were a little bit behind where we would expect to be. And and I've seen commentary Mm -hmm. from brokers and from the other clubs sort of affirming that as well. So yes, I think it has been probably a little bit delayed um, for the reasons I I don't really know, to be honest. Um, Chinese New Year um, interrupts the flow every year, Mm -hmm. um, just depending on where it strikes. I think this year it struck... Um, at a time when people were probably in the middle of a negotiation and then things hadn't been concluded. And so that's probably dragged, um, certainly um, in Asia, um, the renewals out a bit. That, that, that may be why things are not yet completely done. But I think you know, by now, um, it's, um, it, it really is just um, uh, uh, the last few. No, so you're pretty confident that we're two and a half days... Two and a half working days to go. Two days. Today. Yeah. Um, after today, yeah. Are we? Are we more or less there? Yeah, more or less. I mean, there's always some stragglers. I mean, you you, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. the clubs tell you this that there there is a there is always a handful of of insurance managers, brokers, members who who wait until the last minute, um, and yet you know there's plenty of people renew in in um, pre Christmas. So there there is a there is a small handful of, of renewals still to do. Um, but, but for the most part, we're there. Steamship also stands out for one of the lowest premium rises in the IG this year. Its rate hike was just 7.5%, while nine others asked for this year's going rate of 10%. Obviously, that has helped smooth discussions over. Has it helped? Yes, I think if you're asking for a little bit less than your competitor, where there is split entries between fleets, you're always in slightly better starting position um, but um, uh, the uh, the advantage can um, uh, be taken away by a little bit of negotiation and, and the other clubs might come more into line maybe maybe we maybe that's one of the influences if you if, if a club was competing against us that they were at 12 and a half and 10 and we were at seven and a half that probably um, uh, had an influence over the negotiation and better for the member in that sense perhaps um, but um, it, it quite quickly levels out, I would say. Right. I think we, I think perception is quite important. I mean, when we we were the first club to to declare a general increase, um, so if you if you like, we weren't following anybody, um, and it might have set um, uh, a uh, a standard. I don't know. I mean, it, each club will obviously make their own decisions. Um, By the time you've heard this, the renewal round will be over for another year. Sad, I know. But changes we think are probably likely, not least the prospect of further consolidation in the sector and whether the extraordinarily low level of major claims in the last policy year is the result of anything more than luck. If you are a Lloyd's subscriber with an interest in marine insurance, you may have already read the full interview with Stephen Hawke, but you can expect more to follow. Interviews with Alex Vullo, Andrew Cutler, and both Jonathan Andrews and his steamship predecessor, Stephen Martin, and Guard Chief Executive Rolf Thor Ropperstad over the next few days. Tom Bauscher of West of England is coming up in the next couple of weeks, so look out for that. And if you're not a Lloyd's List subscriber, how can you say no to content offers like that? 
you can get our best deal on the subscriptions at loyslist.com slash subscription. That's it for this week. We will be back on Friday with the next edition of the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. So tune in then. Uh, my thanks to all our guests this week and for Dave Osler for doing the legwork on this week's reporting.